every Christmas series. It's the first Sunday following uh, Thanksgiving, and so here we are, uh, three, uh, about four weeks away from uh, Christmas. Anyone ready? Any shopping been done? Okay, you're ahead of the game. At least I'm way behind the game, either or. Well, the word Advent or word uh, Adventist is a Latin word that means the arrival of or the coming of. It's the patient waiting for something. And so that's what we come today as we start this Advent season, that we have this anticipation of Christ uh, coming. And so we are preparing our hearts as we come to Christmas Day to celebrate God's greatest gift to us, Jesus Christ. And so this morning we'll start this series. It's uh, based on the Advent calendar. And so this morning we're going to look at hope. Hope in the coming. Not just what it was to come, but what is also to come. Amen? So we're going to look at that this morning. And then the next week we'll look at peace and then love. And then finally joy. And then on Christmas Eve night we will celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so each week we'll come and we'll have a reading. We'll light the candle to prepare our hearts for all that God will do in this Advent season as we prepare our hearts. And so this morning I want to look at this this word hope and the word hope means this a feeling of expectation and desire of a certain thing to happen and so i pray this morning i've been praying through this advent series as i've been studying getting ready that there would be this hope for us that would overwhelm us every time that we come in to worship jesus christ and so this morning let's look at this idea of hope I think of no greater passage, as I was talking to Jared uh, a few weeks ago about this Advent series, and and we talked about this uh, story, a very familiar story. It's in Genesis chapter 22. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 2. This is uh, the sacrifice of Isaac. And you may be wondering, how am I going to go from the sacrifice to Isaac all the way to the Christmas story? It's right here in the passage. So we're going to end with that hope. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. We'll go all the way to verse 14. And so here it is. It starts this way in verse 1. After these things. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what is the writer, what is the author talking about after these things? What things had just happened? Well, the things, if you go back just a few chapters before, there's this promise. It's called the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promise that God was going to use Abraham to bless the nations. And out of Abraham would come a great nation. And so after these things is this idea of this promise. And so you got to remember that Abraham would have heard those words before Isaac was ever born and began to have this hope. Right, he t- God takes Abraham and he takes him outside and he says, look, look at the stars in the heavens. Your descendants will be as many as these. Well, as you know, the story, Abraham was an older gentleman and he had a, a very, uh, an older wife who was well beyond chair, ch- childbearing years. And then if you remember, just turn over one page, chapter 20, 21. 
Remember that in this hoping, in this longing, in this expectation, that, that Abraham took things into his own hands. Right? And he slept with his maidservant. And he thought to himself, well, if God's not going to do it, I need to intervene and do it for myself. And that young man was born, and God said to Abraham, this is not the promised child. This is not who I intended when I said I was going to make a great nation out of you. And so then Abraham waits another several years until verse uh, chapter 21. The, the idea that now here is the promised child. Remember that God said at, at an old age that God would, would bless Abraham and Sarah with a child. And so here's that child born to Sarah, born to Abraham. And he says, this is the child, this is the promise that I always intended. He's going to be the young man that, that will grow old and I will bless all nations through Isaac. And so here in chapter 22 it says, and after all these things, after all the promise, after all the birth, after all the hoping, after all the longing, after all the expectations, what are the next three words? God tested Abraham. And how did he test him? He said to him, he said, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Amora, or Mount Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you. After all these things, now God tests Abraham. Could you imagine that moment for Abraham? Could you imagine that moment where he says, here I am, God. What do you, what do you want from me? And God says, take that son your only son, because at this point, Ishmael and Haggai, he had sent away. He no longer has them as a maidservant and a child. This is his only child. That only child that I promised you, that only child that I promised I'd make into a great nation and I'd bless all the nations through you, through him. Take him, the one that you'd hoped in, that the one that you'd put a lot of stock in, that he would bless all the nations. Take that child and go sacrifice him. Wait a second. Well, God, what, what are you doing? That would have been my question. Like, what are you thanking God? Because just a few years ago that you'd promised this thing, and now all of a sudden, if I do the logical thinking, you're telling me the only son I have left, the one that you promised, I need to now sacrifice, well, that kind of is going to negate all the, the promise that you had just told me. And so I wonder what that night was like for Abraham. He doesn't set off on the journey to the next morning. I wonder if it was a sleepless, restless night. I know what that night would look like for me. If someone said to me, hey, take your only son, Cedar, and sacrifice him. Like, what? Like, I'd start conjuring up different ways. Like, how do I get out of this? How do I protect him? How do I, you fill in the blank. Because in that moment, as we look back, th th that hope would have been dashed, correct? It would be for me, at least. And so what does Abraham do? 
You remember who Abraham was. Remember, Abraham was the one. We'll see this in a moment. It, it says, Abraham got up the next morning. He arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took the two young men with him and his son Isaac, and they left. Remember, there's no conversation. We don't see any re conversation recorded in the Bible that Abraham had with God. Well, if you remember anything about Abraham, Abraham had a lot of conversations with God. Do you remember back where, where God said to Abraham, hey, you see those two wicked cities? I'm going to wipe them off the face of the planet. Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember what Abraham said? Wait, 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 God, wait. There's got to be another way. What if there's this many people that are righteous? Will you save them? God said, no, there's not that many. Okay, what if there's this many? No. What if there's this many? No. What if there's this many? No. You see, this is the man that would have conversation with God. And yet we see Abraham rise in the morning and set off on the journey with his son. And we're going to see that Abraham is still holding on to hope that God would do something for him. We'll see that in a moment. So he arises and he goes and he takes these two servants. He takes his son Isaac and they start heading off. We know that Isaac must be a, a, a young man at the time because we see that Isaac is holding the very lumber that he's going to lay on in a few moments. So it's not like this little kid. It's not like this little infant. It's this young, probably teenage boy that's on this journey with his dad. And so I wonder what the hope Isaac had that day. Because Isaac doesn't know what's going on. I, I wonder if that's that moment for Isaac. He's like, man, I really get to go and I get to experience the first time I've ever sacrificed anything. I get to be a part of a worship service with my dad. Man, we get to worship God together on this mountain that God's told my dad to go to. I wonder what hope he had that day. I wonder that hope, that, that experience he was going to have that day and so they go off on their journey to the place that God had called them to and he cut the wood and the, for the burnt offering and arose this is verse 3 and they went to the place which God had told them to catch this on the third day what wow like, man, hey, God, you couldn't have just got this over with really quickly? Like, we couldn't just arise in the morning that afternoon, like, kind of be done with this whole sacrifice of my kid thing? No, three days. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever gotten bad news before, and, and you've had this expectation of what's going to come in a few more days. Anyone ever had that? Like you go to the hospital and you go to the doctor and you run some tests and the doctor says, hey, uh, call me back in, in two or three days. Does it not seem like an eternity? And how much hope in those three days do you have? Hoping that something would be different, hoping the results would be this way, hoping the results would be that way, hoping that God would intervene, right? So I wonder that hope that Abraham was stirring in those three days journey. Okay, God, like... Come on, man. Come through. Anyone relate? Three days of angst. But no recorded conversation 
between Abraham and God. And we'll know about the character of Abraham in the New Testament. It was credited to him as righteousness, his obedience. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. He sees this mountain that God's called him to go sacrifice to. Then Abraham said to the young men, you stay here. Catch the hope that Abraham has in this verse. You stay here. I and the boy will go over there and worship. And what did he say? And come again to you. Man, here's Abraham like, I have hope that, no, I know God's called me to sacrifice my son. I still have this hope that he's going to do something in the meantime. And so I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say to Isaac, I'm going to say to myself, there's this hope that God will intervene. And we're going to come back. I don't think he was trying to lie. I don't think he was trying to placate. I think Abraham had this hope that God was going to do something for him. And so now it's just Abraham and Isaac alone. My my thought is this. They're at the bottom of the the mountain. They look up to the top. They know they got to get to the top of this mountain to make the sacrifice. So Abraham tells the two servants, Y'all stay here at the foot of the mountain, and I'll go up to the highest of heights with my son to worship a holy God. And so here's that journey. Here's that journey with Abraham and Isaac as they wander up the side of this mountain to make the sacrifice. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the knife in the fire and so they both went with them together and then Isaac begins to have a conversation with his dad he says to Abraham in verse 7 Isaac said to his father Abraham my father and he said here I am my son and he said behold the fire and the wood they're both here but where's the lamb for the burnt offering I wonder in that moment what went through Abraham's mind and heart. Oh man, this, this kid finally clued into what was happening. Like he finally clued in like, man, I've got the wood, we've got the fire, you've got the knife, we've got everything that we have, but we don't have the main thing that we need. That's called a sacrifice. Like there's something missing in this equation. And what does Abraham say to him we'll hear more of the hope that abraham has abraham said this to isaac god will provide for what himself not not, god will provide for me god will provide for you no god will provide himself a sacrifice because isaac it's not about you and it's not about me it's about the hope of a living god God will provide for himself. God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. I love that one word, together. 
Like, I wonder in that moment as Isaac's beginning to clue, and like, man, something's different. Something is off. This isn't what I heard about how sacrifices go. Like, there's always an animal that gets sacrifices. And I wonder what was going on in Abraham. Like, oh, no, he's beginning to clue in. And yet, God's word says they did it together. They struggled together. They had angst together. They wander up the hill together, hoping together. And when they came to the place which God had told them, Abraham builds the altar. Like stone by stone, mud by mud. I wonder what's going on. I wonder how that hope is going in Abraham. If I'm Abraham, my hope has gone from here three days ago to here. Like the closer he gets, the closer it's going to happen. For me, if I'm Abraham, my hope is going to begin to dwindle. And yet, we see Abraham remain faithful. So he's building this altar to God. There, and he laid the wood on the altar. I just wonder what was going through his mind and heart with the next two words. And he bound Isaac. Like, oh, now we're getting really close. And now Isaac's got an idea what's going to happen. Like it's no longer an, a, 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 a fictitious idea. It's a factual idea about what's going to happen. Like all of a sudden, young Isaac, his dad is putting bands around him, cords around him, tying him up the way you would a sacrifice and lays him on the altar. I wonder where the hope was then. He had just told him God will provide himself with something. So he bounds Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar, on the top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out his hand and took his knife to slaughter his son. Like, here, it's like at the last moment. It's like, is God really going to come through? I've been hoping for the last four days, because four days ago he told him, hey, you're going to take your son, you're going to sacrifice him, and then three days of journeying, and now here's this moment of what God's called him to do, to sacrifice his son. I wonder where the hope was in that moment. And I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what God is wrestling in you, and you we're at like the last moments. I don't know where your hope is, but I want to offer you hope because of what God's about to do because God's about to do something to resurrect hope and it says this he reached out his hand to slaughter his son but circle that in your Bible and for me when I got to that sentence in the text I thought to myself Man, I don't want to get that close to doing what God's called me to do. I'd rather not. But I think because of sometimes my disobedience 
I'm not going all the way to the end, not being all the way obedient to what God's called me to. I'll never get to the but part of this passage. Like, here we see the heart of Abraham. He has the willingness to do what God's called him to do. So often, I don't even have the willingness to do what God's called me to do. Like, I have the, the hopefulness God will do something else, but I don't have the willingness to do what God told me to a week ago, three weeks ago, six months ago. But here we see Abraham had the willingness to put his son bound on an altar, take the knife, raise it over his head to what? Slaughter him. And then what does it say? But the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said to Abraham, 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 and he said, here I am. The same words he'd uttered four days ago. The same words that when he said to him four days ago, Abraham, he said, here I am. I'm still available the same way I was available four days ago. Here I am, God. And what does it say? Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God seeing you have nothing withheld you have not withheld your son your only son from me I just wonder for me do I have the obedience and the hope that God's going to provide because Abraham still must have had that hope that God was going to provide or had the obedience that the provision was his son. That's what the text clearly shows us. He says, at the moment of true obedience, when he raises his arms, God intervenes. Like, from here to here doesn't take very long. Does it? And you're not going to do this to, to slaughter somebody. It's going to be a pretty fast motion. So from here to here is, uh, is a, at the blink of an eye, and yet that's where God intervenes. That's where God intervenes. And here's the beautiful part about the whole thing for me, is that he must have still been in contact with God and not been distracted about what he was about to do because he could still hear God. I don't know about you, but if I'm about to kill my son, my mind's in a lot of other places than thinking about a holy God. But he had to have the mindset like God is going to come through. I must stay focused on God or not what he's called me to. Because that's what enabled him to hear the words of the angel, stop, stop, stop. And so he stopped. And, you know, we come to this passage, and so often this passage has been taught, hey, God and Abraham, Isaac, or God and Abraham and Isaac, Isaac's the Christ-like figure in the story. No, no, Isaac's not the Christ-like figure in the story. Do you get this? This is not a picture of Christ and Abraham, God, and God offering Isaac. We're about to see the Christ-like figure in the story, the thing that gives us hope. Don't miss this in the passage. The Christ-like figure in the story is about to show up. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. 
and behold him was a lamb caught in the thicket by its horns. There's the Christ-like figure in the story, the ram. You see that? Because here's this moment that here is Isaac being sacrificed to God, so God has to intervene with another sacrifice. That's true for you and true for me. We cannot make our own sacrifices. God must provide sacrifices for us, and he did that in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's what we have hope for. That's what we anticipate. That's the arrival of this Christ, the great sacrifice. But what God is looking for is a willingness to surrender it all to him so that he can show up in your life and in my life with the great sacrifice. Because in that moment, Abraham was completely powerless to do anything other than sacrifice his son. Because God had called him to make a sacrifice. So God had to show up with another sacrifice. And that's what he does with the ram. And the ram is the Christ-like figure. Because the ram is the sacrifice. Think about that. Who was the sacrifice? Jesus. Isaac was not the sacrifice. The ram was. So was Jesus for you and for me. Here's the beautiful part about the story. Do you know where this took place? Mount Moriah. Do you know what happened on Mount Moriah? That's where the temple was built. You know what happened in the temple? That's where sacrifices were built. You know what happened on the temple on Mount Moriah? That's where people would have oneness with God. But you know what else happened on Mount Moriah? The ultimate sacrifice. Most scholars say this is where the crucifixion happened. So we have a moment in history that the first uh, sacrifice of someone's life that God intervened through a ram took place to foreshadow what God was going to do some 4,000 years later. Do you see that in the passage? And then what does it say? When God intervenes and God offers a sacrifice, I see that you fear God. You haven't withheld anything from me, not not your only son from me. And for me, when I read that verse, I asked myself this question. I beg you in this moment to ask yourself this question. Is there anything that you're not willing to sacrifice? Because if you're not willing to sacrifice, you'll never get to the hope that God wants to offer you through intervening and giving you the sacrifice. Like anything you're going to withhold from God, you won't see the next verse, the provision of God. He looked up, he saw the ram caught in the thicket, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Wow. Wow. Remember what he had said moments ago. Hey, me and the boy are going to go up the hill. We're going to go worship God there together, and we'll come back together. He had hoped that that was going to take place. But if he hadn't had hope that that would take in place, he would have found another way out. He would have been disobedient to God, and God's promises would have never been fulfilled. 
And yet because of his obedience and his willingness to sacrifice his only son, God was able to intervene. And God was able to provide. And so I don't know this morning what you hope for. I don't know the hopes that you have in your heart. Hopes for your kids, hope for marriage, hope for a new job, hope for you fill in the blank, hope for you name it. Can you say, like Abraham, I'm willing to sacrifice all of it on the altar? My health, my career, all of it, all of it, God, anything is yours. It's all yours at the altar today. Because I promise, because God's word promises us anything that we hold back from God, that's called idolatry. And God hates idolatry. And if we have idolatry in our lives, we will never, ever see the provision of God in our lives. Ever. God has no competition. And if you continue and I continue to have idols in our lives, he'll do what he did in Romans. He'll just say, let him go. Let him go. And he will let us go worship our idols rather than worshiping him. And then Abraham says this. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a living, as a, a burnt sacrifice instead of his son. And so Abraham, what does he call it? He called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Anyone in here experience Jehovah Jireh? Anyone? Amen. Can you have places in your life that you would say today, man, Jehovah Jireh? Are there any places in your life this morning that you have this hope for today? A hope for a wandered child, a hope for a you fill in the blank. Do you have any of that today? Because Jehovah Jireh. What's your hope today? You see, because 4,000 years from this moment, God provided. God provided a hope that would secede all hopes. It's called His Son, Jesus Christ. He made that promise to Mary. Mary, you're going to be the mother of my son. And that son is going to bless all nations. And that son will be the ultimate sacrifice for all people to bring what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Let's turn there. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercies, has caused us to be born again. If you're born again, if you know Christ today, it's because of God's grace, mercy on your life through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then he says this, because of that great mercy of being born again, you now have what? A living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I'd say to you today, if you feel hopeless today, the promise is you have a living hope today. Do you believe that? Like, do you believe, do I believe that God, whatever he calls me to, as scary as it will be, he will always intervene and he will always do for me what brings me great hope, even though it may take a, a lot out of me. Like, this isn't a promise. This isn't a hope. Like, okay, if you lay down the X in your life, God will intervene and, and give you blank. That's, that's not the promise. But the promise is God will give you hope through it no matter what. You may have a hope that your health gets better. But the promise may not be your health gets better here. The promise is we have a hope, a longing for something more to come. Like, your health here pales into comparison to the health you receive when on the other side of eternity, the ultimate hope. Like, are you willing to let go of whatever it is to see the ultimate hope that God wants to provide? I don't know what that is. I don't know how God will intervene. I just have the promise from God's word that he will intervene and he will be Jehovah Jireh. But his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. But it's his great mercy. God's word says. So you and I may lose a lot this side of eternity, but we'll gain so much more because of the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so today, all of us in the room, we come and we cel celebrate Advent, the coming of Jesus, but we also anticipate the, the next coming of Jesus, his next coming, because the next coming is what sets all things new and all things good amen so we still have that hope so you may lose a lot here and you may not gain what you lose and you may never have a child and you may never get married and you may never that boy or that girl may never come back home but the promise is there's a hope of your intimate walk with god that will fulfill all things that's what god's word says but it will start with you and i when we have the willingness to sacrifice whatever we're holding on to that God's asked us to sacrifice. That's where it all started with Abraham. He said to Abraham, go, sacrifice your son. He didn't tell him the end of the story. He doesn't say to Abraham, hey, in three, four days, there will be this ram caught in a thicket. He just says, go and sacrifice. And Abraham believed in the promises of God that were promised to him, and he held on to that hope. And so in some way, even though he was about to sacrifice his only son, Abraham had a hope. Hey, God's promises always, always, always come true. So if he made this promise, and this is the sacrifice, the promise is he's going to have to do it a different way. And yet he held on to the hope, not in of his circumstances. We held on to the hope of a glorious God that would provide all things to all people. Do you have that hope this morning as we enter into this Advent season? This week, I'd ask you to do this. Write down what are your hopes? What are the things in your life? What are you holding on to that God may be asking you to sacrifice? And what are you hoping for 
out of that sacrifice? And what is your hope in? Is your hope in the thing he's calling you to sacrifice? Or is your hope in the one who's calling you to make the sacrifice? Let us pray. God, you are a glorious God, a good God, a hope-filled God, a hopeful God. God, I'm thankful for this story. That it's a real story. It really took place. And we see the faithfulness and the hopefulness of one man, Abraham. How he hoped and trusted in you. God, I don't know where all your people are this morning. I don't know what hopes they come in with. I don't know where their level of hope is with those things they come in with. But God, I pray that if anyone's holding on to anything today, God, that they would lay it here at this altar this morning, God. And as they lay it down and they go to sacrifice it, God, I pray that, God, you would provide for them in ways they could never imagine. So in this Advent season, we are grateful for the resurrected King, Jesus Christ, our ultimate hope. May we place our hope and faith and trust in Him today. We pray this in His glorious name. Amen.